This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. You are going to hear from former big leaguer Jeff Brantley, one of the best closers of his time, Rolaids Relief Man of the Year, and now a broadcaster for the Cincinnati Reds as the Reds are loading up, and a lot of people think they may be the favorite in the NL Central. We'll also hear from Chris Rose from MLB Network and also the NFL Network as we talk to him about baseball and also we chat about the Super Bowl as he was just about to go on a plane to Miami and uh, get ready for the Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. We'll also talk to Chris Bassett, Oakland Athletics pitcher, and David Schoenfield from ESPN.com. But we're going to start out with our man Seabass as we got a chance to talk to him at FanFest. It was great to have him on A's Cast Live as we're expecting a big year out of the right-hander. Joining us now is a right-hander that is going to play a huge part in the role of the Oakland Athletics getting back to the postseason. Chris Bassett is with us here on A's Cast Live. Seabass, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, we're doing well, and... You know, I, the excitement that we saw from the fan base for at FanFest last week, I mean, you could just tell that this fan base is raring to go. And the one thing I took away from all of you guys is we, we did all the dog and pony show up on the main stage. The word that I come away with is the confidence. Talk about the confidence you guys have rolling heading into 2020. Yeah, I, I think we're excited along with the fan base for the exact same reason. And it's just what could be, I mean, I mean, what this team, our expectations are obviously extremely high. The fans expectations are extremely high and we're just kind of excited to start playing games to just to try to meet those expectations. Yeah. I think about winning 97 games back to back years, unfortunately, both years, losing in the wild card game. But what do you think you guys have learned from playing in that wild card game two straight years? Um, I mean, not so much what it takes to get to a wild card game, but what it takes to be a really good team, I think, is the biggest thing. Obviously, the wild card game didn't go our way. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the wild card game is a crapshoot in itself where it's just, I mean, it's a one-day, one-game thing where – you're, you're obviously either win or lose, and you go home, and that's it. So 
Um, I think the biggest thing we, we can build on as a team is just we know what it takes to be really good, and now it's just kind of getting to the extra hump of going past. I mean, hopefully you don't even get to the wild card game. Go past the wild card game. You win the division kind of thing. But, um, yeah, just make – I mean, do more damage in the postseason. You know, when I think about how tight you guys are, it really was on display at FanFest as I had to step in for Dallas Braden and I had to host you pitchers. And, and the way you guys get on each other, it's a lot of fun. The way you tease each other and rag on each other, you got each other's back. I know a lot of you guys are proud of what Mike Fires did this offseason with this whole Houston Astros debacle. But just talk about, as a team in that clubhouse, how close you guys are. I mean, I'm sure other teams are pretty close, but I don't know how you can get much closer than what we are. Just because, I mean, I, I feel like just the front office has kind of put together a pitching staff where it's kind of like the perfect mix of of serious but joking around and playing kind of thing where we, we definitely all like to get after it and uh, work hard and in the weight room. And then obviously, I mean, a lot of drills in spring training and a lot of drills – uh, and practices and stuff can just get so boring. But with the, with the, with this group that we have, it just everything turns into a not so friendly friendly competition of like, listen, I'm trying to be the best at this, no matter what it may be. And it's kind of just made us made all of our friendships grow and grow. Uh, and then we kind of, you guys kind of see to an extent how close we really are. But I mean, it, it, it's a very special group of. We we don't sugarcoat anything, and we tell we tell it how it is to a lot of a lot of guys. You know, we in the past have have talked about your recovery from Tommy John, and it wasn't easy. And you pitched in twenty eight games, and I think the great thing for you heading into this off season is that you had twenty five starts last year. What did that mean for you to take the ball and start twenty five games last season? Uh, I, I mean. It was huge to me just because I didn't know if I was going to be able to ever do that again. Um, I, I didn't know once I had surgery if I was going to – I never really had a doubt. I mean, I had some doubts when I had surgery of if I can get back. But once I kind of got back, I was like, all right, I know I, I, I can pitch at this level again, but I just don't know to what extent. And the way my body held up last year kind of just – it really just told me all the work, all right, all the work you put in, and all the stuff that you've done to kind of get back here really is has paid off and is paying off in the aspect in, in the aspect of the whole thing of, I mean, how strong I felt at the very end of the season. I thought I could easily go four, five, six more starts, and I wouldn't really have a problem or be worried about getting injured and stuff like that. And I don't think I could ever said that before. So just getting that monkey off the back is huge. Yeah, you do that, and you're you're in the 30 start range, which is, you know, you get to 31, 32. That's exactly where you want to be. I can tell you this. I've been championing you. Uh, I've said that we do the David Force show here on Ace Cast, and I have said to David, hey, Chris Bassett's out of options, and someone will steal you very, very fast. It is so important that you stay with this ball club because – you know, you need all the starting pitching, plus you can pitch out of the bullpen. When they have talked to you this offseason, what have they talked to you about your role heading into 2020 and spring training in Mesa? 
they really haven't talked to me. Uh, on, to be honest with you, I have not had a single conversation about my role uh, going into this year. I really haven't. Um, the the conversations that I've had is we don't know what your role is going to be. That's 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 the reality of it. I mean, um, I think we all have to kind of get to spring training and see how everyone is uh, health wise and um, go through spring training and see how everyone is and then kind of make a decision then kind of at the end of spring and. Um, luckily for me, luckily for the A's, uh, I can do both. So I'm not too concerned. Like I, I've always told, uh, it's kind of a, it's a joke, but I'm not being serious. If you have five stars better than me, then we're, we're pretty, we're, we're, we're good. We're good to go. So, um, I, I'm pretty excited to do whatever it is. I'm not sure what it is right now, but I'm, I'm pretty dang excited for the year to start just because I know what our starting staff could be. And then obviously our bullpen, I think, is going to be extremely good, too. Yeah, I, I think about when you start talking about Mike Fires and you talk about Sean Mania, Frankie Montas, you're talking about Puck, you're talking about Lazardo, and then we're talking about Chris Bassett. I mean, going into spring training, because it's been since, like, I don't know if it was 2012 or 2013 when the Detroit Tigers only used seven starting pitchers. That's just not a reality anymore. All of you are going to play a big role in this season. I think you guys just have to look around, and you got to love all the depth that you have. Plus, you're going to have strong contenders down in Las Vegas to help you out. Yeah, I mean, I think having having the support around you, knowing, hey, I may need a day or may we may have to go to a six-day just to give someone a break or something like that is, is going to be huge. It's just Knowing knowing how much depth that we have, and it's not a, a lot of teams around at the MLB say they have depth, and it's just not true. It's just not the reality that you have five or six or seven quality starters. It's just it's 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 truly just not it's not true whatsoever. But with Oakland, I mean, you you got the six guys you just said, and then you have I mean you have Mingdon, and then I mean. I'm not sure what they're doing with Gossett and stuff like that, but I know Gossett's looking really good in, in this off season. So, I mean, we have a lot of guys that have pitched the big league level and have had success. And it's just, we are extremely lucky, especially this, this time right now, of just the, the, at least starting pitching wise, the depth, the true, the true depth that we have at a big league level. You know, a, a rivalry, you know, sometimes it's history that makes the rivalry or there's circumstances that can create a rivalry. And I've got the feeling that this year Astros A's is going to be electric every single time you guys go up against each other. How excited are you to, to, to be pitching this series? Because I think they're going to be wild. Yeah, <laughs> Well, unfortunately, fortunately for us, unfortunately for them, I, I think the Astros kind of turned out themselves into the rival with every team. So that kind of helps us out. But um, I, I hope, I hope we don't get caught into a trap where we're 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 worrying too much, trying too hard, and just pressing a little bit against the Astros. I hope, I think we had such a great game plan, great mentality last year. I mean, Bullmel is obviously a great leader of us and just understanding the team and what we kind of need and what we need to talk about and stuff like that. And I felt like 
we were never really overwhelmed by the Astros last year. So um, I thought going into their place, them come to us, it was never like, dang, we're mismatched here a little bit. And, and they had an unbelievably starting, unbelievable starting staff. They obviously have a great team. So to say that is pretty impressive in itself. But I mean, this year, obviously, with everything that's gone on, human aspect of it all, I'm sure the the emotions and the the juices are definitely going to be flowing a lot more than usual. For the first time ever in baseball history, we had four teams win over 100 games last year. And to do that, you need to be pretty consistent. And we know in the past the A's teams have gotten off to a slow start. Some people think because there's always a lot of new players. That's not the case this year. The core of your team is coming back once again. How important is it that you guys get off to a good start and you remain consistent throughout the season? Yeah, it's huge, but I think you kind of alluded to what the biggest thing I think could help us out is just the the consistency of this team from years past that I've been here where it's just a massive turnover of, all right, we're trying to figure out who's going where and what's like what position's this and who's who's starting here and who's throwing out the bullpen here. But like coming into this year, I think for the most part is I mean you you can already almost write opening day roster for the for the most part. Uh, obviously, there's a couple holes here and there, whatever it may be. But um, knowing who's coming back, and I mean, knowing I mean, fan. That's why I think Fan Fest was so much fun this year, just because it was like not a new face everywhere you turned. So it, I mean, it's it's going to be extremely exciting. I'm kind of trying to stay even keel here and not be too crazy, but. Um, I think I think this year could be very, very fun. All right. Sunday is the Super Bowl. It's the big game. At your Super Bowl party, what is the one thing food-wise you have to have as a must for you on Super Bowl Sunday? Uh, I would say this is kind of a weird one, but uh, buffalo chicken dip. I absolutely love buffalo chicken dip, so that has to be in there. Nice. Actually, my producer, Commander Cody, agrees with you. That's his one thing. And then, of course, this game is going to be tight. It's going to be a hell of a game between the Chiefs and the Niners. Very competitive. Who do you like on Sunday? Man, I'm so torn. My my heart my heart wants the Chiefs to win so bad just because I, I – I want Andy Reid to to get his. I think he actually he he really really deserves it. But my gut is just saying the 49ers defense, and I think Jimmy Garoppolo's heard enough that he can't pass and stuff like that. I think the 49ers win. So if if I were have to if I have to pick someone, I think the 49ers are going to win. But I really 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 want the Chiefs to win. But I'm pulling for the Chiefs, but I think the 49ers are going to win. Great stuff, as always. We appreciate the time. And uh, before you know it, we'll see you down in Mesa. Enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday, and we'll see you down at spring training. Thank you. Can't wait to see you guys. Chris Bassett, especially early, is going to play a big part in the 2020 season as they're not going to – they're not going to get a ton of innings out of the gate out of A.J. Puck and Jesus Lazardo. So expect to see a lot of Chris Bassett not only as a starter, but also as reliever. And as we know, you're going to use quite a few starters throughout the season. That's just the way it works. The Cincinnati Reds are loading. 
They're loading up. They're 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 spending money. They're going after it. it it's it's going to be interesting in the Central. Who's going to win this thing between the the Cardinals and the Cubs and the Brewers and the and the Cincinnati Reds? We know Commander Cody's Pittsburgh Pirates. As their payroll is going to be like $2, they're going to have no shot at it this year. But Jeff Brantley, the former All-Star, was a terrific closer, one of the great college baseball players of all time. He's a Cincinnati Reds broadcaster, and he's back on the program, A's Cast Live. Well, our next guest here on A's Cast Live, bringing him back to the Bay, is, of course, he's one of the great San Francisco Giants. He's on their wall of fame. He was an All-Star. NL Rollades Relief Man of the Year, led the league in saves that year in 1996, and he's turned into a great broadcaster with the Cincinnati Reds. Jeff Brantley joins us once again. Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate it here in the offseason. Good to talk with you, Chris. So you know Dusty Baker well. What did you uh, think of that move by the Houston Astros to bring him in with all the chaos going on amongst the Astros in their organization? I think it's a great move. I mean, I've always admired Dusty. I've always thought that he was a, a great manager. I think he's he's gotten a terrible rap, not only from the, the analytics side, but the handling of pitcher side. I mean, I've, I've pitched for Dusty. I know how he does things, and he's always been – uh, at least from my perspective, not only from a broadcaster side, but especially from a pre- player side, um, he's as good as it gets if you're a player and he's your manager. You know, I think about the NL Central. Of course, last year the Cardinals won it 91 and 71. The Brew Crew, they were the wild card team at 89 and 73. And you look down at the Reds at 75 and 87. But if you look at this offseason, I got to think down in Cincinnati, which is truly one of the best baseball towns that we have. I think with all the new additions, a lot of people down there got to be very excited. And I got to think the Reds have to be one of the favorites there in the Central. I think so, Chris. I think there are a lot of people that are, are really taking notice. I think there will be a, a lot more fans uh, interested in coming to the ballpark to watch this club play. I think there's a, there's a big um, – question mark out there as to far as far as the health of Nick Senzel and now a Eugenio Suarez I'm sure you've seen that with him having surgery on his on his throwing shoulder uh, they say that Suarez will be back early in the year and they're they're all talking about at least our medical folks are talking about Senzel being healthy when we get to spring training and allowing him to play but I think any club I don't care where you are in the division and regardless of whether you're the New York Yankees or the Dodgers or the Reds or wherever you may be, when you add guys like Moustakas and Miley and Castellanos, and I just think that they're all proven commodities, and I think they can only make your club that much better. You know, Castellanos wore out the A's last year. It was funny, you know, we go there to Detroit, he he wears us out there, and then they trade him to Chicago, and the Ace had to play the Cubs, and, 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 he, and he wore us out there too. I mean, just talk about he's a doubles machine. Just talk about the type of player that you're bringing in and in that ballpark too. Well, I, I think that's the key with your last statement, Chris, is when you're, when you're hitting doubles at Comerica, those really translate into – a lot more home runs at Great American Ballpark. And I know there's been 
quite a few analytic sites that have taken the overlay of, of where his balls landed as far as how far the balls went and what kind of home run numbers he would have had had he played all of those games in Great American Ballpark. And it would number uh, above 40. So I, I think when you when you look at Castellanos, and, and I'm, I'm only looking at drive because I, I think everybody's year kind of goes – a little up and down as as you go along because different set of circumstances, different pitchers that you face. But I think for Castellanos and I would throw Mustakas in the same in the same boat. They are so highly competitive players and with great drive to to be at the top of the game as far as their offensive numbers. And I think when you have players like that, uh, not only hitting an R ballpark makes it fun but I think it makes it even that much more fun for the guys that, that are sitting next to them in the locker room. And, and I just look at the rotation and Castillo with that unbelievable changeup. Obviously we love Sonny Gray from his time here. Trevor Bowers became a, he's become a friend of our program. We love having him on here on A's cast. I, you mentioned the addition of Miley. Just talk about the starting rotation. As we now realize it's bad news to overwork your bullpen. You need to have innings out of your starters. Yeah. And I don't know that, that there are many clubs out there that are, that are ready to, to move in that direction that we've seen so much more bullpen work and rarely do starting pitchers throw above 100 pitches, especially going above the 110 pitch mark. And I think we're, we've kind of regressed back to the five inning starter throughout major league baseball. But when you look at this starting staff with, with the five guys that we have, I would have no, I mean, I'll watch these guys pitch last year. I'll have no problem matching him up with any other starting rotation in baseball. No problem at all. And I think that's a, that's a great positive when you talk about the additions we spoke about earlier. It just, it just makes you feel good about your team, knowing that you have a chance to win every fifth day, regardless of who's pitching on the other side. Yeah, I think all of us got to see it where you start to overwork your bullpen, and then by the time you get to the postseason, and I think of the Yankees last year, the Yankees, you look at the names on the back of the jerseys, they had a great bullpen, but they just looked, yes, ga- they they just looked gassed in the postseason, though. Well, I, I think that every, every manager and, and pitching coaches have really looked at this as well. When you start looking at the science of the game and, and how much effectiveness you have with certain velocities, certain pitch numbers, there, there's so much more really critical review of guys in game scenarios. And I, and I think that's the, that's the issue that you're facing now, because the last thing that you want to do as a, as a manager or as a pitching coach is let your guy go a little bit too long and then things fall apart. And, and I think you can always rely on that bullpen by saying, well, this guy only had to pitch one inning. I'm not using a guy that's already thrown 95 pitches, but you can only do that so long. I mean, I, I made my living out of the bullpen. You can only pitch so much. And, and what we see is the numbers on an everyday basis. We don't see how, as fans, we don't see how many times that guy got up during the ball game, how many times he sat back down, and that's really where the wear and tear in the arm and the body comes from. A couple issues in baseball, I, 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 I want your opinion on it. First, I mean, obviously this wouldn't have affected you, 
but now we're going to have this rule that you got to face three guys. What do you think about that new rule for bullpen guys? I don't know that it affects right-handed pitchers that much. And for the majority of left-handers, I don't know that it really digs in there too deep. But I know, and you know this, Chris, we have gotten into a role of specialization out of that bullpen, specifically bringing in a lefty to face a lefty for one batter. And I think those are the guys that are really going to be hurt by this simply because that's going, that's going away. You've got to either come in and maybe face that last batter and you get that last out of the inning and you don't have to come back. But if you've got to face three batters in an inning and you come out early in a ball game or early in an inning, I think it's going to change the way that, that managers manage. And it's also going to change the way that you make up your roster. You're not going to have a left-hander sitting in the bullpen if he can only get out left-handed batters. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then the baseball. There's the conspiracy theory that the baseball in the postseason was different from the baseball during the regular season. What kind of baseball do you think we're going to have in 2020? I would say it's probably a a baseball that would be in between those two scenarios you threw out there. I don't know that you can drastically change it from one season to the next without having to answer a lot of questions. But I've been around this game long enough to know. I mean, 30 consecutive years of the big leagues, I've seen the ball change quite a bit. That ball last year that they had especially – for the first four and a half, five months of the season, I mean, that's a golf ball. And it was tough to make the ball spin. And when guys did hit the ball, the ball was just traveling so far it was crazy. And then all of a sudden we see some kind of difference in the postseason. I don't think fans want to see that. I think they want to see the same thing, the same playing field, the same ability to compete, whether it's the first day of the season or whether it's the last game of the World Series. You know, last year when you guys were in Oakland, we honored your partner, uh, your colleague, Marty Brenneman, truly one of the great broadcasters of all time, just an absolute jewel. Uh, Just how different is it going to be this year without him? Well, I think any time that you take a a veteran presence out of any any place, whether it's a business, a team, uh, in the broadcast booth, especially when, when he's been my partner for 14 straight years, there, there's going to be a bit of adjustment. Um, Marty made things easy for everybody, especially me. And, and I think that the camaraderie that we shared, the, the great friendship that we shared, I, I think that came out over the air. And, and that's something that I've tried to, to really think about this offseason, knowing that Tommy Thrall is going to be my new partner and try to bring him to a place where we can have those same type of really friendship conversations and try to help him understand that people want to know not just about what's going on on the baseball field, but you have to give them a little piece of yourself. And I think that's just part of Cincinnati radio. It's part of the Cincinnati feeling. And I think if you're going to broadcast in that town, um, you can't just be uh, balls and strikes and, and hits and outs. You have to give them a little piece of yourself because that's what people tune in for. Yeah, I was recently in Cincinnati with the Raiders. It was two seasons ago, and where 
wherever bar you go to, they got all the great memorabilia and what a great Cincinnati is such a great baseball town. But I want to end on this because I'm old enough to remember when ESPN didn't have a whole lot of programming. And that's when they put the College World Series on. And in 1985, I was in eighth grade, and I'll never forget that team you guys had at Mississippi State where it's you, it's Will Clark, it's Bobby Thigpen, it's Rafael Palmero. I remember that, and that's when we led the College World Series on ESPN. When you look back at that team, God, that was truly one of the great college baseball teams of all time. It really was, Chris, and I think you you look at the talent level, even beyond the four guys that, that you mentioned, we, we had an awfully good club. But I, I think if you're a baseball fan and you've watched the game long enough, you understand that four guys don't make a team. They, they, I don't care how good they are. You just can't carry a club like a quarterback does in football or like a great guard or great center does in basketball. It it's a it's a 20 25 man game and that's that's how that's how this game works and i, I think that shows up over a, a long period of time uh we we had a great time at mississippi state we played great baseball but when we got to the world series it there was just a couple of teams that were better than us and and there was nothing you could do about it they were hot and we were not yeah, but it was a great team. Jeff, thank you so much. Loved you as a player. You're doing a great job as a broadcaster. Keep up the great work. Have a wonderful season. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Chris. Take care. Jeff Brantley talking a little Cincinnati Reds. You know, our guy Trevor Bauer expecting to have a big year. Sonny Gray. They've got a lot of offense at the Great American Band Box that they have down there in Cincinnati. So we'll see if the hype, if the Reds live up to the hype. Next, Chris Rose does a great job hosting Intentional Talk, one of the best baseball shows there is on MLB Network. He is also a host on NFL Network. During the season, he does the highlight show with Primetime. He does it with Deion Sanders. He's a great broadcaster, and we caught up with Chris to talk a little baseball and get a little bit into the Super Bowl. Chris, welcome back to A's Cast Live. Thank you very much. How are you? Good. Happy birthday. And I thought that uh, tribute that they put together, uh, even though you are 49, uh, was pretty funny that they had for you there on the network. Very creative. That's, that's why we've got the best production team around. They, they got it pretty good. There's no question about it. Anytime you can get Kevin Millar's uh, eight-year-old daughter swearing on tv i mean holy smokes who doesn't want to hear that <laughs> it was absolutely hilarious are you in la or are you down in miami Le- leaving tomorrow so i'll get down there um hop right into the festivity can't wait it's gonna be uh you know it's a great city to have it in it's hard to believe it's been a full decade since they've played the super bowl down there but it's i mean it's gonna be great if you it, it, Obviously, a lot of football fans are fans of a particular team, but if you can take your team out of the equation and kind of handpick two other teams to be there in terms of having an interesting game, I think we've got about as good a matchup as we could ask for. Well, and, and you got to realize with A's fans, there's there's a whole lot of A's fans that grew up yeah. in the East Bay where the Raiders were in Los Angeles and they're right. 49er fans. So we just had our fan fest and all the chants for 49ers. So right now you're talking to a lot of 49er fans. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So obviously you've got your 49er fan contingent up there. And then I also have like, uh, I know a guy down here who's a huge Raiders fan and he's like, 
this is the worst Super Bowl ever because you got the <laughs> Niners on one hand and then the division rival Chiefs on the other. So I imagine there's a few of those folks listening as well. And when it opened up at one, it basically told you Vegas is kind of like, yeah, this is kind of a pick em. Yeah. I mean, it, it really, you could make – with as much studying and research as, as I've done, we, you know, we got a almost a hundred page packet on the Super Bowl from our awesome research team at NFL Network. I have changed my mind on who's winning this game six times easily, and it'll probably change another four in between now and kickoff. I just I can't figure out. You know, I'm reading so much information. I feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the the Niners only give up 169 passing yards a game. Yeah, but Patrick Mahomes can do anything. Yeah, but you know what? The Niners can take a little air out of the football, and it doesn't matter whether Coleman's hurt or Raheem Mostert is back there or even if they have to use Breida. They can run against everybody. Yeah, but the Chiefs, they have so much speed on the outside that Nicole Hardeman is their third receiver and can blaze a trail past anyone in this league. So I'm kicking this thing around and making myself, you know, my head spinning at this rate. I can't figure it out. Yeah, you know, for my, my second job, I'm actually the radio sideline guy for the Raiders for the national broadcast, and uh, I get to see Mahomes twice a year, and the last two years, this guy has done things that I've never seen before. Uh, his ability, the arm, uh, obviously his dad, the, the pitcher, he's got a world-class arm. The way he can throw from anywhere and across his body, and then he can beat you with his legs. I don't know how many guys we've ever seen play the position the way he does. Not a lot. I can tell you that. Um, I said it the other night when I hosted opening night, to me, he is the face of this league. He is the face of this league. He is the best player in this league. He, as long as he remains standing upright for the next seven years, you can carve his bust in Canton. I'm not saying that to – to you know, say something outlandish, I honestly believe it. I, I don't think there's one thing in his game where you're like, really? Like sometimes when you get a, a quarterback that's under 25, there's like three or four throws a game where you're like, okay, like he's not going to make those again in three years once he really understands. I can't remember a ton of those a game. He has maybe one instead of like four or five. And that's just the difference between – he hasn't thrown an interception in the playoffs. He's played four games. He hasn't thrown a pick. Like, it's pretty special. And um, he's a ton of fun to watch, and he doesn't give canned answers, but he also doesn't say anything ridiculous. So he's easy to root for. He's easy to like. I, I get it if you're a Raider fan, you're not going to like it because he's in your division for the next 15 years, hopefully. Um, health-wise, but man, there's just so much to like and appreciate about him. All right, we'll get back to baseball in a moment, but last thing here. Okay, so my I have twin daughters. They both want to go to Stanford, so I'm going to put oh. their college tuition on this game. So it's either Stanford or junior college, and I'm going to take that money based on what you tell me. Am I going Niners or am I going Chiefs? It depends. How smart are your daughters? Really smart. Oh, gosh, I can't handle the pressure. Because there was always the fallback that I could be right and still they wouldn't get into Stanford. So now now if they're super smart, um, I, I think it's the Niners. I've got like 31-27 is what I'm feeling. So how's that, how's that sound? Uh, okay. 
All right, we're in. All right, hopefully uh, it's not junior college, Chris. All right, so intentional I mean, talk. You guys were talking about the universal DH. It's going to happen. The players' union wants it. We know how baseball is with the player players' union. They're kind of trying to please them right now. One of the reasons why we probably didn't see Astro players suspended and only the guys that got in trouble or the guys that are non-players. What are your feelings as a longtime baseball fan? You grew up an American League guy. What do you think about the Universal DH? Yeah, no, I'm fine with it. I really am. I mean, yesterday I was joking about how, come on, pitchers, you know, I mean, we live for the Bartolo Colon taking James Shields deep moments. And that happened like – six or seven years ago now. So, you know, we've, we've been waiting for something else. Uh, for the most part, yeah, we want to see a, a DH. Um, and, and hopefully that means that certain guys are, are more attractive out there, right? And Edwin Encarnacion at the end of his career is only viable to basically half the league out there, right? I mean, that's kind of the way I see it. But I don't know. Um uh, yeah, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for anything that makes the sport a little more interesting, and I think the the DH does make it more interesting. You know, Houston has a fire, and they need somebody to go down and put out the fire, and they went out and hired Dusty Baker today. What would you think about the hiring of D-Bake, getting him back in baseball? Great. Good. I mean, perfect. Really, really good. I, I can't tell you how many players I've talked to over the years who have played for multiple teams and Dusty's been their favorite manager. Um, you know, he's 15th all-time in wins. There's only two guys ahead of him that aren't in the Hall of Fame. Bruce Bochy will get there when he's eligible, and Gene Mock, I believe, is the other one. And Dusty has a chance to crack the top 10 if he sticks around a couple of years with this squad because they're still really good. Um, but I, I think he will support the players while also – making sure that they're taking responsibility the proper way. He's an adult that treats the players like adults. And I I think it's a, I think it's a really, really good hire. I get it. He's 70. I don't know where he stands on the whole analytic world. I really don't, but I know the guys want a hell of a lot of baseball games and maybe he hasn't won the most important one at the end of the season, but I'd still take my chances with him in this sort of, um, in this sort of area where the Astros are. I can tell you we had our fan fest on Saturday, and this Astros thing, our fan base is livid. I can tell you this year, one of the rivalries to watch, I can tell you, and I think you guys are going to talk a lot about it this year, is going to be the Astros and the A's. Yeah, I mean, uh, naturally, in part because the reason the Astros are where they are is because Mike Fires put his name on something. And... You know, it's not like when he he's never going to get a chance to hit against the Astros, but he's going to get a chance to pitch against them. And, you know, I talked to a lot of players this offseason, um, and they have varying temperatures on this whole thing. You know, a lot of them are very upset. Some are seeing red to the point where they're like, these guys are going to get hit a ton. Well, I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen because it's easy to say it in the middle of January when the report first comes out. But when we're all digging our spikes in come the end of March and it counts, are you still going to feel that same way? And what's going to happen? Are the Astros going to retaliate or are they just going to wear it? But I would agree with you that, I mean, listen, Oakland's won 97 games each of the last two years. 
Um, and Houston knows that they're not a joke. I mean, they're a really good baseball team. So I think it'll just make it more and more interesting. You know, we got the big four that we've been talking about this offseason potentially on the block, where you got Lindor of your Cleveland Indians. We're talking about Arnauto of the Rockies, uh, Mookie Betts with the Red Sox, and Chris Bryant with the Cubs. And Lou Merloni, who recently has been on our program, just came out with that bombshell that uh, Mookie countered the Red Sox uh, 12 years, $420 million. He's very expensive. You're only going to get him for one year. He's going to test free agency. Arnado, they've talked about. Looks like he's staying put. I don't know about Lindor. But all of a sudden, Chris Bryant loses his decision with the arbiter against the Cubs. So he will now not be a free agent until after the 2021 season. Uh, do you now see Chris Bryant being the number one guy out of those four to be traded? Well, I wouldn't make him the number one guy, I, I, only because Lindor is two years younger and plays a premier position. Now, some people would argue, well, Chris Bryant can play all over the diamond. He certainly can. Um, he also has been banged up. I think that might scare a few teams away, but he and Lindor have the same amount of service time. So I would say, although it looks like at this point, there are more teams that would need a third baseman than need a shortstop. So maybe that makes it more interesting. But I said today on Intentional Talk, I didn't think Bryant was going to stay the last two years in Chicago. I think they're, I think they can upgrade their team in certain areas and feel like maybe they could get a replacement at third base that would be 70 cents on the dollar in terms of talent for Chris Bryant, but make it up elsewhere. Let's end on this. It's all about chemistry, and you just mentioned your show, Intentional Talk. It's a must-watch every single day. It's a fantastic show. The chemistry you have with Kevin Millar, it's something special. It looks like you guys are just having a great time every day. We do. And there aren't, we're very fortunate from this standpoint. There aren't a lot of shows where the hosts know each other that well before they sit down and start, you know, having a, having a show together. And sometimes the, you get along so well, you end up becoming friends. Kevin and I have been friends since 2003. You know, he used to come on the best damn sports show period all the time. Uh, we realized that we were basically the same age. His mom lived about 15 minutes from where I did at the time in LA. So I'd get to see him in the off season. And I was like, listen, when somebody's smart enough to realize that you can't play baseball anymore, give me a call and we'll do a show together. And that's what it is. I mean, and we just get along and there's basically we could say whatever we want to each other and we know we're not going to offend the guy. And I think that's when you're most comfortable in a relationship, right? You hang out with your boys. You, you don't have to worry about what's coming out of your mouth or what's coming out of his mouth. And you just kind of shoot it. You know what I mean? And oh, that's, yeah. that's how it rolls. And you, you get along and you can make fun of each other and you can make fun of each other's families and not take it personally. And that's how we roll. And I hopefully people enjoy that side of it. Yeah, we enjoy it every single day, and I always appreciate your time and have a great time in Miami. We'll be watching you not only on Intentional Talk, but we'll be watching on the NFL Network. As always, appreciate it. Thanks. And we're going to end with Dave Schoenfield, who's a columnist that we talk a lot about here on A's Cast Live because he does a lot of great articles. And uh, we'll get into A's, we'll get into baseball with Dave Schoenfield. David Schoenfield joins us here on A's Cast Live. David, how are you? I'm good. What's going on? 
I, I was just talking about, you know, because we get to see Patrick Mahomes twice a year with the Raiders, and I'm on the sidelines, and this guy is such an amazing athlete with a great arm. Uh, you, you covered his dad. I, I could have easily have seen Patrick Mahomes playing in Major League Baseball, whether it's a pitcher or a position player. He's an incredible athlete with an unbelievable arm. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. You know, it does raise sort of that larger issue of, how baseball can attract these elite athletes. And I think maybe they haven't done as good a job of that the last two decades as, as they could. Um, you know, we, we see a lot of these great athletes choosing to play football or basketball or, or even soccer, you know, which is why we're seeing, I think, more and more Latin players. Some of the best American-born athletes are playing other sports. You have an article up on ESPN.com. It's Mookie Watch. <laughs> so uh, what is the latest on Mookie Betts, Dodgers, Padres, Mets? Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of just waiting uh, like you guys are. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, this week uh, the rumors seem to really have heated up. Um, look, by all accounts, the Red Sox, are determined to trade them. You know, I don't necessarily get it. One of the richest franchises in the sports. I know they had a, you know, down year for them last year. I think they have the talent to compete. But if you trade one of the best players in the game, you're pretty much punning on the playoffs for for 2020. But they want to get under the luxury tax. They got some big payroll issues in the future. They're not going to re-sign them. So, I don't know. Looks like Dodgers, maybe Padres. You know, I understand why Mike Trout got over $400 million because Mike Trout, who you know, we got to see him in division, and he kills us every single year. But what, <laughs> what he means to the Angels is everything, so I understand it. But the minute Mookie gets traded, whatever franchise, there's not going to be that love of he came up, he's one of our guys. So uh, Lou Merloni, who, you know, friend of the program, we've had him on, he, he – he bust out that 12-year, $420 million. Do you really think Mookie Betts will get over $400 million from somebody in free agency? Uh, you know, I don't know. I'm skeptical of that number. Look, if the Red Sox, and they've tried to negotiate with Mookie through the years for whatever reason, Betts wants to head into free agency and see what he'll get on the market. Uh, maybe he doesn't want to play in Boston. I don't know. Mookie's very – he keeps to himself, so you don't really know the reasons there. But um, I'm with you. He'll be 28 in 2021, so that's – you know, he's not as young as Harper Machado were when they hit for agency. He's better. He's a better all-around player than either of those two. But, yeah, $400 million, that's a lot for a guy who you got to factor in – how will his defense age as he loses a step? Will he have the same home run numbers away from Fenway? He's a dead pull hitter. He loves the monster. Um, I think Foreigner's a little high, as good as Mookie is. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of money, boy. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Yep. <laughs> and then there, then another story which is interesting in baseball is just a straight swap of third baseman, Chris Bryant, Nolan Arenado, Rockies, Cubs. What do you think about that rumor? <laughs> Um, I, I, I guess it makes some sense. You know, the Rockies, they're not really sure what land they're in. Are we competing? Are we rebuilding? Arenado, clearly unhappy. Doesn't want to be there after the disastrous year last year and all the trade rumors. So you would trade two years 
uh, you'd get Bryant, who's under control for two years. You trade Arenado, who has an opt-out after two years. I guess the Cubs would be banking on Arenado going there and wanting to stay there. But there's no guarantee he has that opt-out after 2021. Talent-wise, you know, slight edge to Arenado, Bryant. I'm a little worried. He's had some back issues here and there the last couple of years. I'm a little worried if he's going to stick at third base long term, but for a year or two, he can see he's, he's probably still a third baseman. But yeah, we'll see. You don't see those kinds of trades uh, very often, do you? No. And then I look at uh, we 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 check the stats for Arenado home versus away. Get him off the mountain, right? So at home, career he has a 9.95 OPS. You put him on the road. It drops all the way down to seven ninety nine. How much would that worry you for a team when you're not you're not going to get his Coors Field numbers? Well, maybe. Here's why. I think there's there's a well grounded theory when you talk to Rockies players that the problem playing there is when you go on the road. Suddenly, you're seeing breaking balls that break a lot more than they do in Coors Field. So I think the road effects really hurt Rockies players. Look what DJ LeMahieu did last year when he went to New York. He had the best year of his career. Um, Matt Holliday, when he left Colorado, he had plenty of big seasons. Larry Walker was old when he went to St. Louis after leaving Colorado. He still hit. So I think Arenado in a different park, a normal park, will be fine on the road. Maybe not quite his Coors Field numbers overall, but I think he's still going to be, you know, 850 OPS or something like that overall. So we have some legendary baseball rivalries because of the history, whether you talk Yankees and Red Sox, Giants, Dodgers, but then you have rivalries that are just organic and they come up because of what's going on in situations. I can't tell you after FanFest we had on Saturday how much everybody's looking forward to Astros A's this year. It's going to be electric, these series against each other, because it is now game on. They don't like each other. The whole the whole Mike Fires confirming the uh, the cheating scandal. What do you think about A's Astros in 2020? Yeah, I tell you what, I would love, I don't know when their first series is against each other, but I would love to, to be at that one, that's for sure. Especially if it's in Oakland. I can only imagine all your fans getting on the Astros players. Anyway, Houston's going to face that every stadium they play in. So there's going to be some, you know, some mental uh, adjustments going on there for Astros batters. But, yeah, let alone the division race, Look, I think it's going to be neck and neck this year. I'm still debating on who who I'm going to pick to win the division, but um, I love I love where your club is at this year. Yeah, for the Astros, the way it's going to start for them, you know, they wish it would have been somewhere in the Midwest, uh, maybe <laughs> even in the East, but they're going to start out West. Their first series is in Anaheim. Their second series is in Oakland. They're going to get an earful right out of the gate. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt, and. I think there's also going to be a natural inclination for for the players to be pressing a little bit potentially, you know, that we hey, we got to show that we're good, we're not good just because we were cheating. Um so, you know, and they get off to a slow start and they start questioning themselves. You never know. Yeah, I, 
Look, there's no doubt the Astros and everything going on with them is going to be one of the, the big stories of the season, especially those first couple months. Yeah, Dusty Baker now has to put out that yep. fire, but I don't know if that fire can be put out. And I just wonder at what point it's kind of like human nature to where guys are going to start saying to writers like yourself, hey, off the record, it wasn't me, it was this guy. <laughs> Do you think we're going to start getting that once we get this team together in spring training and the start of the year? Yeah, look, and they're going to have to face this. Every new city they go into, all the local writers are going to want to go in there and talk to them about it. So they're going to have to have a strategy on how they answer these questions. You know, yeah, okay, spring training, you get through your Houston media, you get through all the national guys that will go through, but then the regular season kicks in, you go to Anaheim, you got to deal with Angels writers and Oakland and so on. Yeah, so what's their strategy, you know? The last thing I think you want to do, though, is what you just said. You don't want to say, not me, it was the other guys. You don't want to throw your teammates under the bus, even if they're not on the team anymore. Um, so I think they collectively need to just take this on their shoulders and say, we did it, we were wrong, we apologize, it was a mistake, we're not doing it anymore, our numbers will show that we can play this game. Did you agree with how baseball handled it, where they only named four people, and obviously those four weren't players, of course, Beltron right. not playing anymore, and they they gave the players immunity to, to, to give up what, and I still think there's more than what baseball's telling us, but did you like the fact that players are not going to be disciplined? Yes and no. I think in the end, MLB... I don't think they really had any other choice because if you don't do that... A, are you going to get the real truth behind what went on? And B, you're going to have a protracted uh, legal situation with the MLB Players Association. You know, there's a reason nobody talked much back in the steroids day, because you don't want to be punished, and they're protected by the union. I think MLB, they wanted to get this investigation done as quick as possible. You know, look, the last thing you'd want is this cloud hanging over the sport for two years or whatever, right? So... Bang, 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 you had to come to a resolution, even if you aren't covering everything that happened or investigating all the teams. Do you think something major is going to happen to the Red Sox? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think they're going to, um, you know, get a similar punishment. Obviously, they've already fired their manager, their GM. They fired last year, so um, it won't affect those two individuals. But, yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, you're going to get that $5 million fine at the minimum. That's the maximum that can be fined. They're going to lose draft picks. Um, so other than, you know, the get rid of the manager and GM who are already gone, it's going to be similar punishment. I have fun, Heimblum. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? You know, of course, he took that job right before all this came out. So, uh, you know, he's one of the bright young minds in the game he, he was part of that terrific you know front office in tampa bay and he comes in you got to deal with the cheating scandal your ownership's telling you you got to trade mookie bets you know yeah exactly well let's end on this i'm asking everybody the big game on sunday the super bowl what's the one dish what's the one food you have to have for your super bowl party <laughs> uh, well, that's a good question. My neighbors are throwing the party this year. I don't know what they have on, on tap, but uh, I don't know. I'm kind of traditional. Just like a, a big thing of nachos loaded with cheese and meat and 
you know, that would be my go-to Super Bowl food. I love it. You like the Chiefs or you <laughs> like the Niners? Uh, I'm going Chiefs. No reason other than, um, what, 50 years since they've won. I'm an old AFC West guy. I'm from Seattle, so even though the Seahawks are in the NFC, I remember all those old Chiefs uh, Seahawks uh, clashes from the uh, from the '80s. So, uh, go Chiefs! Oh, Steve Largent and Jim Zorn. That was the good old day. <laughs> Kurt Warner, the good old days. Hey, Kurt Warner. You know he had that great rookie year. Tore up his knee first game of his uh, second season. If he hadn't been injured. He would have been one of the all-time great running backs. Kenny Easley. There was a lot of good Seahawks back in the day. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then, of course, the kingdom was packed. We had the wave, right? We invented the wave. I know I think other uh, cities might claim they invented it. No, Seattle invented the wave. Get over it, people. And the kingdom, that was rocking in the 80s. David, we always appreciate the time. We promote your articles all the time on ESPN.com. Be well. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me on. That's going to do it for A's Unfiltered. We want to thank starting pitcher Chris Bassett, Jeff Brantley, the former closer and broadcaster for the Reds, Chris Rose from MLB Network and NFL Network, and Dave Schoenfield from ESPN.com. Now back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.